Good morning, church. Today's reading is taken from uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5 and Isaiah chapter 44. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. Ye shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. Ye shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Isaiah chapter 44, verses 6 to 23. The Lord, not idols. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who would speak up for them are blind. They're ignorant to their own shame. Who shapes a God and casts an idol which can profit nothing? People who do that will be put to shame. Such craftsmen are only human beings. Let them all come together and take their stand. They will be brought down to terror and shame. The blacksmith takes a tool and works with it in the coals. He shapes an idol with hammers. He forges it with the might of his arm. He gets hungry and loses his strength. He drinks the water and grows faint. The carpenter measures with a line and makes an outline with a marker. He roughs it out with chisels and marks it with compasses. He shapes it in human form, human form in all its glory, that it may dwell in his shrine. He cut down cedars and perhaps took a cypress or oak. Let it grow among the trees of the forest or planted a pine, and the rain made it grow. It is used as fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. But he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. Half of the wood he burns in the fire. Over it he prepares his meal, he roasts his meat, and eats his fill. He also warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm, I see the fire. From the rest he makes a god, his idol, He bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, Save me, you are my God. They know nothing, they understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see and their minds closed so they cannot understand. No one stops to think. No one has the knowledge or understanding to say. Half of it I used for fuel. I even baked bread over its coals. I roasted meat and I ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? Such a person feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or say, Is not this thing in my right hand a lie? Remember these things, Jacob, for you, Israel, are my servant. I have made you, you are my servant. Israel, I would not forget you. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing for joy, you heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, you earth beneath. Burst into song, you mountains. You forest and all your trees, for the Lord has redeemed Jacob. He displays his glory in Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. 
good morning. Hello. Yes. There you go. Our thanks for reading, uh, Jeff and Paul, for praying. So this morning, as we continue our new sermon series in the Ten Commandments, um, I will talk about yeah, the, the Second Commandments, and mainly we will look at the two passages in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 8 to 10, and we will also dig in more in Isaiah chapter 44, verses 6 to 23. And if you have, please open your Bibles, if you have, if you have the papers on the out, uh, we have some papers that we hand out so that you can follow me through. And uh, it helps us to see uh, the, in the bigger picture that God, this, God gave this law to the nation of Israel and through Moses and to the nation of Israel, uh, yeah, the, the lives of Israel. And we can see that this law, how it carries through from the very beginning until we see in the book of Isaiah. And the question that I want you to remember this morning is, how can I apply these things? How can I remember and could possibly change my understanding, my perspective, my view towards God? Who created the law and who implemented the law? That's the purpose. What's the purpose and the reason behind? So please bear with me as we flip our pages this, this morning. Let's open in prayer. Father, we thank you this word. Thank you for reminding us and thank you, God, for showing it to us. Help us, O Lord, to see your word today. Speak to us. You are our teacher. Protect me from any wrong and error. You are the words that will help us to grow in our relationship to you. Bless us, O God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. An article published by the Times of Israel in July 2020, a Hebrew University professor, Yosef Garfinkel, published his theory, and I quote, Yes, I think that people in ancient times believed these figurines to represent the face of Yahweh, end of quote. And as you can read on the front page here, the, the bottom part, other experts angrily dismiss his theory. There's a lot of debate going on whether this is really the face of Yahweh or just a broken piece from a large horse. Now let's see the word of God and about this worshiping idols and why he did not permit this kind of worship. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 8, you shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or in the waters below. God was very specific when he gave the second commandment to the people of Israel because he knows where they came from. God sees the influence, the kind of lifestyle that they lived in before they left Egypt. It is wired to their thoughts, to their understanding. And because of the length of time the Israelites' people lived in, the people of Israel lived in Egypt for 430 years. Imagine that. Years So many years, long years that the people of Israel live, they emerged and adapted to the culture eventually. They did not live in a luxurious life, but they were slaves. They were working and serving to a king who is worshiping so many gods. 
And we all know that the Egypt worships thousands of gods and goddesses. They have a major gods, they have a minor gods, female and male, name it. They have all kinds of gods and goddesses. It is a polytheistic kind of worship with so many gods and goddesses. Next slide, please. If you could clearly see the first image, Osiris. He is the Lord and the judge of the dead. The next God, Isis, mother of gods, and so on and so forth. This is just the major gods that they worship. And they have minor gods that they worship. And that's why God clearly said and commanded to Moses, to the Israelite people, you shall not make for yourself an image because he is the one true God. He's the one and true God. When God had completed the Ten Commandments, God said to Moses, Go down because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They've been quick to turn away from what I have commanded them. And in verse 8, I have seen these people and they are stiff-necked people and they worship a golden calf. It's so interesting God and Moses were talking in the mountains. God is revealing his law. He knows what will happen downstairs. So God talked to Moses, go down, for I know what's going on. Next slide, please. And then we can see that people are rejoicing and enjoying, and they are proclaiming this God in a picture of a golden calf. And now let's go to Isaiah 44. God raised up prophets like Isaiah to speak up and reminded the Israelites that he alone is the one true God. Look at verse 6 six to 8. This is what the Lord says. Israel, kings and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what is come. To, do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did not, I not proclaim this, uh, this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. And God reminded the nation of Israel that he revealed himself by delivering them from the hand of slavery and the hand of the enemy. He is the one true God because he is the Israel's king and redeemer. I am the first and the last. There is no other rock with capital R, meaning he is a living rock. He alone is the true foundation. He is the one true God because apart from me, there is no God. There is no other God who showed miracles, mighty acts from heaven while they are in Egypt. They witnessed, he poured 10 plagues, he divided the Red Sea, he sent manna from the sky so that they have food while on their journey in the wilderness. And God revealed those things of who he was, of who he is, and what is he capable of. And prophet Isaiah rebuked their worship and their trust to a foreign God. 
God chose Israel to be a different from other nations. Israel must worship only one true God who is the creator of heaven and earth. Again, you shall not, not make any image in the form of anything in heaven above, on the earth beneath, or in the waters below, because I created them. Do not worship them. The question is, why should not I worship them? They're cute. They're good. They're beautiful. Because they are a false image of God. What do I mean? Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 5 in verse 9. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He is a jealous God because He has a divine relationship to them. And that relationship has a connection. It has a communication. That's why God hates it. He really hates it if they start to bow down to these foreign gods. And it's very interesting. We just read it this earlier. Prophet Isaiah describe it clearly, specifically. In verse 12, look at in our next slide. The blacksmith takes a tool and works with it in the coals. He shapes an idol with hammers. He forges it with might of his arm. Look at verse 13. The carpenter measures with a line and makes an outline with a marker. He shapes it in a human form, human form in all its glory, that it may dwell in a shrine. Verse 14, he cut down cedars, he let it grow among the trees. Verse 15, it is used for fuel, for burning, he kindles a fire and bakes bread. But he also fashions a god and worship it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. In verse 17, he prays to it and says, Save me, you are my God. It's very specific, very clear. These are not my words, my brother and sisters. But we see here the reality of how they made it. They should not worship and have a relationship from a piece of wood that they have just used for cooking and then they bow down. They should not worship a tree, but instead they worship the creator of the tree. And why is that? Look at in verse 9. You shall not bow down. All who makes idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who would speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their shame. These words are very strong. Why? Why God used these strong words? Because they are replacing a false image of God. In fact, this verse is simply saying the nation of Israel were completely foolish. In verse 18, they know nothing. They understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see and their minds closed so they cannot understand what happened to them? That's a question. We thought 
They have a God, they have a great God who saved and rescued them from the hands of the enemy, who protect them from, uh, from, the, from the, the persecution, from the Egypt. We, we thought that they, have, they were of, they of fully obeying the commandments that were passed from generation to generations. And the worst thing is in verse 20, such a person feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot him save himself or say, Is not this thing in my right hand a lie? That is so sad to hear. They cannot identify if it is truth or lie. Look at it. It's just so sad to understand like, wow, how, how come that the people of Israel, it's hard for them to see where, where, where is the truth and where is the lie? What's the problem? What's the cause? What's the root problem of this? The problem is because of their disobedience. The stubbornness of their heart. God called them stiff-necked people. That's so harsh. Stiff-necked people. And they started to hate God. I hate you, God. I hate you. They turned their back against God because they were tempted to go back, tempted to grab on what they have been used to. Oh, my life in Egypt before, we're so good. We have good food. We worship. We are fine. And now we are in this wilderness. We are suffering. It's so hot. Where's the food? We don't have a, a house to live in. They thought that these gods and goddesses bless their works with abundance, who holds their future. And the people of Israel thought that those gods and goddesses are the source of their protection, the source of their wealth and health, the source of miracles and life, the source of their good future. And God said, you shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. We can see here, and God revealed his character that he is a jealous God. If you're a married person, you feel that kind of jealousy, right? To your partner. If he or she will give more time to other people. Or if he or she does not value you in any way. If Emmeline will give more time to other people than me, I will have that kind of jealousy. Like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> Why are you not talking to me? What's going on? That's kind of jealousy. And now we are seeing the clear relationship. There's jealousy of God from God because there is a relationship between God and the people of Israel. And that word jealousy in this kind of setting is a function of his covenant commitment to his people. Having committed himself exclusively to them. And he requires exclusive loyalty in return. Why? Why is that? Because God is protecting them from the sin of worshiping idolatry. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I will tell you the truth. Hate me or love me. Worshiping idols is a sin. And worshiping idols has consequences and effects. And God mentioned that in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. That there are blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. 
And when they start to disobey God, look what happened to the nation of Israel. They worship foreign gods. It led them to persecute God's prophets. They developed a religious syncretism. They worshiped both Yahweh and Baal. And you know that? Israel turned to fertility gods to have a good a harvest. And then if they have a military crisis, they will turn to Yahweh. Yahweh, protect us. They have enemies in our back. They suffered from drought and famine and all the unlikely situations. And they are prone to worship idols. Why? Because of the sinfulness of their heart, which is easy to attach to the things of this broken and dark world. They want to manipulate. They want to control it. They want instant results. They're very impatient. While they're waiting for Moses in Mount Sinai, oh man, it's too long. Moses is not here. Let's start to worship our own gods. Very impatient. They want power, which is completely the opposite and not what God is looking for from His people. God wants His people to put their trust, their loyalty to Him. He is a jealous God, meaning He alone deserves all the worship. He alone deserves all the glory and all the honor, not to me, not on anything. No image of God conceived by human minds and created by human hands in order to preserve the reality of God's beauty. And now we've seen that they failed God in the second commandment. See, second commandment. They're already a failure. It is hard for them to obey and remain faithful to the God who rescued them. But God, there's a good news. But God did not only focus on their wickedness. God did not see on their uh, focus and continue to blame their unfaithfulness, their disobedience, even their hatred. But there is always a good news, a solution to that problem in verse 10 of Deuteronomy chapter 5. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. God is not just holy. God is not just so far and hated our sinfulness, but He showed His love for He is love. The question here, how God's love was revealed in the lives of Israel. How does that love can be seen in the lives of these people? Let's look at in Isaiah 44 verses 21 to 22. Remember these things, Jacob, for you, Israel, are my servant. I have made you. You are my servant. Israel, I will not forget you. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud. Your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Return to God. Because He's showing love to a thousand generations. Return to God because I will not forget you. Return to God because I have swept away your offenses. Return to God because I have redeemed you, my beloved Israel, my beloved people. And God did not forget Israel and abandon them forever. He is committed to His covenant from the very beginning, from the start. He has swept away their offenses. He has made Israel to be his servant. 
to represent Him to the ends of the earth. And there is only one true God and cannot be replaced by anything to worship. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. God offered another chance to restore the broken relationship between God and Israel. And look at in verse 21. Remember these things. Remember these things. It is very important to remember what God has done in the past and still showing His love until today. I will share this story in last 2019. Emily and I went to India, just the two of us. We went to India uh, in Vijayawada, Andhra Pradesh. Went for a mission trip. I was invited to speak in a small church. And you know that India is a Hindu country who worship many gods and goddesses. So every morning, Emily and I love to sit in this very small church, in the front of the church. We are looking at the farm, green, coconut trees, the cold breeze, it's cold in that area. And we have our coffee mixed with fresh milk. You know that fresh milk from the cow. And like, this is coffee, like with fresh milk. Oh, thank you. So good. And every time the people passing by with their cows, they start staring at us. There's no smile on their face. They're just frown face looking at you. And we can sense that there is a question on their eyes. Maybe, who are these people? What are they doing here? And interesting to know, as before we left, they told us that we are the first visitor, the first foreigner who visited that village. So it's like new to them. It was our fourth or fifth day, I'm not sure. The same thing we did, sitting at the front of the church, having our coffee, just relaxing. And one lady came to us and started to speak in their own dialect. And of course, I could understand. So we immediately called Lydia, the wife of the pastor, and asked her what she's saying all about. And Lydia told us, she wants to know about your Jesus. And she wants a Bible. So Emmeline, she got up, she ran inside and took one of the Bibles that we brought and gave it to her, to her with teary eyes. Emmeline keeps on crying. When she's having the Bible, she's just like, just like, oh, poor, wiping her tears. Give it to this Hindu lady. And, and, and we're, we tried to explain to her what, what is this book, the Bible. We prayed for her and we shared the gospel of Jesus. And I tried to hold my tears at the time. While I'm looking at them, I tried to hold my tears. And like, I know God was showing on her through the lives of the people who are not worshiping Brahman and Vishnu. Because for them, Jesus is just a guru or a teacher. And we explained to her the gospel of Jesus and prayed for her. And when we came back here, I tried to make a follow-up to the pastor and message the pastor, how's this Hindu lady? And praise God, that lady joined the Sunday service the following week. My prayer was, Lord, thank you for that opportunity that we were able to share your word and that she will continue to seek you as Lord and Savior and to turn away from worshiping idols. And I prayed, and Lord, that Bible that she received is not just an amulet. 
It's not a lucky charm. It's not something to use to protect from evil spirits. But every time she will open and read her Bible, it will come to life and change her heart and to see and to know more about Jesus. That Jesus is the only one true living God. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we, this passage that we've heard, we already heard this verse many times and understand these things. Oh, I know already this verse. I've heard this when I was a kid in Sunday school. I've been following Jesus for a long, long time. I know already this, Ariel. No more idol worshiping in front of our face. But maybe we have some idols in our hearts that we tried to build and create. I'm not exempted from here, all of us. Maybe we are trying to create this kind of image that would gain respect and honor from the eyes of the people. We are trying to carve and fashion the image that we want to be because we have so many achievements because of my money, because of my rank, because of all the accomplishments in my life. Respect me. This is me. Let's ask the Lord to help us to reveal that in our hearts so that we will not be blinded and having a deluded heart which would lead us to destroy our faith that will corrupt our obedience to God. Let us ask the Lord with all humility and I'm sure He will speak to you and me. And maybe you are just sitting down there also back in your mind saying, Oh, I don't understand these things. It's just so hard to comprehend. I, I, I don't really get it. I understand you, my brothers and sisters. Because even at the time of Jesus, His own people were having a hard time believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But I will tell you this very moment, God's love never fades and will never change. The same promises given to the people of Israel. And He's willing to receive and forgive you and me despite of all our wickedness and failures in life. It is not by our works that we can come to Him and be saved. But Jesus displayed on the cross 2,000 years ago, hanging on that tree, hanging on that cross, taking over the punishment of eternal condemnation. And He said, Father, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the word idol means, simply means we are replacing our worship to the one true God. Let's examine ourselves. If there's anything that replaces our worship, our devotion, our praise to the Lord Almighty. And if there's any false image that we are trying to build, hindering before God, we just simply return to God. Go back to Jesus. Come and worship Him. As I end, let's, as I end, I close this verse in John chapter 4, verses 23 to 24. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. 
And I need your help. Let's read all together the last phrase, starting with God is spirit. Ready? One, two, three. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us. Thank you for showing to us that you alone are true God. We cannot replace any false images that represents you. Lord, help us to reveal that to us so we can continue and put our trust, put our, our worship to you. We ask for forgiveness if there are anything that hinders us, holding us back to trust you and worship you. Father, we continue to surrender and trust your word. And as we go out in this place, may your word continue to be remembered in our hearts, remind our hearts that you alone is our true living God. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for changing us. Thank you for all the goodness, the grace, the mercy, and your favor. Thank you for holding us, protecting us from the works of the enemy. We give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's respond.